What is good? It's the motherfucking holiday podcast. It's the holidays. It's Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. It's the time of the year where you get to overeat, overindulge, overspend, guilt-free. Welcome to the holiday show. Look, December is all about gaining weight. Yes, it's all about packing on that holiday weight so that you have a nice, big, shiny New Year's resolution to run after at the beginning of the year. I love it. I love the holidays and the holidays as a 35-year-old man is an interesting time. I am a single man. I don't have a child. I don't have a significant other. I do have a mother. Uh, We have not traditionally celebrated Christmas in a long time. And that kind of was making me a little sad. You know, I was sad this year. I was like, damn, we're not celebrating. I haven't had a tree in a long time. So I decided I'm going to get a motherfucking tree. So I got a tree. There's a tree right behind me. It's very beautiful. It's a, I think it's a Douglas fir. It has three ornaments and some lights. So needless to say, I haven't really completed the decorating process But as of today, it's December 17th, so I still have a lot of time. So I can go get that done. Currently, my ornament selection is extremely high level. There are really three things that matter in my life. I'll go ahead and list them in no particular order. Sushi. So there's a sushi roll a donut, and coffee. And those are three things that I uh, I absolutely love. Those might be my three favorite things in the world that are not humans, um, you know, and adamant objects. But out of all the things in the world, those are really the ones that are just, they're just so high level. I mean, sushi, look, if you're a vegan... Sorry about you. You know, I've been a vegan before too. And uh, well, I've, I've dabbled in veganism and it's cool, but sushi is incredible. The way it tastes, the way that it melts in your mouth, the ponzu sauce, the soy sauce, the spicy mayo, the motherfucking eel sauce. If you've ever had sushi with me, I am the fucking sauce king. The king of sauce. Sauce master flex. I can also eat the shit out of some ginger. Ginger is the motherfucking truth. So that's sushi. Incredible. And then donuts are really just kind of like a guilty pleasure that lasts year round. You don't need to eat donuts every day. Like that would be excessive. However, a really good donut is amazing 
at any time of the day. That's the beauty of a donut. It goes great with breakfast. It goes great with coffee. It's a great little afternoon snack. It always makes the office happy. You're never, it's never a bad idea to bring donuts to the office. If you're hearing this and the mojo has been a little down in your office, or maybe you just want to just bring the great mojo that you currently have and just boom, bring it up a notch. Fucking bring donuts on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Everybody loves donuts. And finally, the so near and dear to my heart, the coffee. I learned a lot about coffee in the past week, how it's processed and how they get the coffee bean, which is actually the pit of a coffee cherry. Yes, coffee is fruit, if you did not know that. So that was really interesting. As you know, I have a very, very, very deep love affair with coffee. I am actually writing my first article about coffee. It will be published in an incredible magazine that is all about health and wellness and really just a different way to look at things. It's called Undo, and I'm honored and very blessed to have been asked to participate in an upcoming edition that is all about addiction. Addiction is no laughing matter, and it can be very, very serious. Now, the things that you could be addicted to also can vary, i.e. being addicted to coffee is a lot different than being addicted to heroin. They're not in the same stratosphere. So, From my piece, I'll be writing about coffee and telling a little bit about my personal relationship, my journey, why I love coffee so much, when I was first introduced to coffee. Shout out to my grandma Bernice. My grandma Bernice, one hell of an Uno player, solitaire, go fish, and blackjack. Why do all old ladies play solitaire? Actually... And just to round out the point about the coffee article, I'm really excited. It'll be the first time I've ever written an article that will be published in a magazine. So I'm I'm honored. I'm nervous. It's going to be fun, though. And then I'm going to bring the two ladies that founded and started the magazine on the podcast to talk about the article and the addiction issue in its entirety, which is going to be really exciting. But let me just diverge on this little tangent about old people and they used to play cards at least that's what I remember with my grandmother you know a lot of uno blackjack solitaire however I think we have a fucking epidemic on our hands with old people playing games like fucking candy crush you know when I was you know when you're younger you think of you know old people as carrying all this wisdom and Whenever you see somebody that's in their, you know, elder years, they're like whittling wood or doing something so like majestic and noble, you know, reading some novel that looks so thick. It's like literally if you're a child, it makes you cringe inside. Like literally, you know, those, you know, those fucking books. 
you know the fucking books I'm talking about. The books that are so fucking thick, they're frightening. That's what old people at least did when I was a kid growing up. Now, whenever I see an older person on a plane, they're fucking hunched over, staring at their phone, playing Candy Crush. Like, what the hell? Like, these games and these cell phones and these technology companies have gotten so good at playing with your addiction and your fucking need for that serotonin drip, that like, that win, that comment, that retweet, that just, they found a way to grab your emotions. It's insane. And you just, people are addicted. Whether you're addicted to Tinder, Instagram, or Candy Crush, it's just crazy. You see these really, you know, our elderly people, which we need to cherish the elderly. I mean, they brought us into this world and that's a whole nother conversation about how we should be treating our elderly people in the United States. We could learn a lot from some of the people that have come to this country from all around the world and these, you know, really different, whether it's countries or regions that have different religions and different ways of looking at the world. You know, you go to some areas in the world, older people are cherished here. They're fucking thrown in retirement homes. It's crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I just, it doesn't feel right that, you know, we have this entire generation, young and old, basically anybody that's alive right now is pretty much addicted to their cell phone, which I'm there too, right? Like this is not me on a fucking pedestal. This is like a confession. You know, I'm like always on my phone. Not right now though. That's nice. Actually, I'm going to look at my phone and make sure that it's on do not disturb so that if I do get pinged, it doesn't affect this recording feels good to be back. I took a, been a couple weeks since I recorded my last show and I feel really comfortable about what's going on, this process of creating content and talking and topics and, you know, just sitting down and just kind of letting it free flow. It's been a good couple weeks since I recorded. I've been traveling. I was up in Seattle we have a lot of our clients that are up in Seattle. We deal with, you know, so in my non-podcasting life, I'm a, I work in sales for an incredible lifestyle accessory apparel brand called Herschel Supply. If you're not familiar, check it out. We make the dopest shit, guaranteed. It's just next level. But yeah, a lot of our clients are up in Seattle, so I'm up there a lot. That's why... I was so geeked on that anchor head coffee, which I went up there and uh, chatted it up with the folks there, which is just really cool to like speak with different baristas at different coffee shops and find out like, where do they drink their coffee? What are they into? And it's always kind of fun when you start, you know, riffing with the barista about, Oh, have you been to this shop? Have you been to that shop? And you kind of build this like common ground, which leads into this other thing that I didn't really have any intention to talk about, but it's just coming up is like, can we be more friendly to just people that we interact with? And I learned this from my dad, uh, my late father, George Roland. Uh, he passed away almost 10 years ago, which is, it's crazy to even say it out loud. Cause he was my best friend and I really looked up to him and 
he was just a good guy. Like I was with some buddies last night at a holiday party and they were talking about the influence that my dad had on them. And I can only wish that, you know, when, and if I have a family and I plan on having a family, I have positive influence on, you know, not only my family, but the friends that come with the family, which is great. But what I learned from my dad was that you kind of always just nice to people. And the result is you kind of, it's interesting. You have like a guy everywhere. Like my dad would go to the car wash and he knew the guy and they were friends and they would talk and they had things in common, whether, you know, it was cars or sports. And when we went to the local Ralph's in Westlake, he knew the manager and the manager would walk around with us while we're shopping and they would talk about the Lakers. I always admired that about my dad. And I've tried to, I've just emulated that and not even on purpose, but I can't help but just kind of talk to people and hang out. And, you know, when you give somebody your your true attention and you really do listen to what they have to say, there's a lot of benefit of it. And I think the benefit goes both ways. It allows someone to kind of communicate and connect, which we all want connection. And giving them your undivided attention and being really present with them it makes them feel good about themselves and as they should, you know, the same way someone gives you their undivided attention. It's really nice. So yeah, I kind of always just want to go around and interact with people and it's been fun. So another thing that I've been kind of going back and forth on and when I first started the pod, everybody was like, oh, you have to have a guest. You have to have a guest. You have to have a guest. And I, I was very much... I was kind of against it. I didn't, I was just like, I don't know. I could just do this all by myself and I'll talk into the mic for an hour and people will love to listen or 30 minutes or, you know, you know, whatever that timeline is. And in the past couple of weeks, my opinion has evolved. And one thing that I can promise you, if you listen to this and we communicate and, you know, you find value in what I'm saying and, I will always be as honest as I'm capable of being, which means I'm going to be as honest as I can be. And the other thing is, is that my opinion is going to change and evolve. I'm not going to get stuck and rooted in just one way of thinking, one way of being. And if things change, I'm not afraid to admit that I was either wrong or that my opinion has evolved. And when the question of having a guest on, I was very against it. Now, I'm really open to it and I'm looking forward to it. I have a couple people in mind that I want to bring on. I won't really name drop them now because, well, I want you to have a reason to tune back into the next episode. That's the other thing I'm learning. You know, you have to do, you know, have to keep the information concise and on point and also, you know, keep reasons for people to keep coming back. That's the other side of this, which. You know, it's interesting. I was with my friend this morning and we were grabbing a breakfast and some coffee. And I said, you know, I need a social media strategy. And they laughed. And it was kind of funny because it is funny. Because for me, up until this point, like my social media has just been literally whatever I feel like posting. And it's not that I'm saying I'm going to totally change who I am and how I present myself online because I'm always going to present myself in the way that is honest in who I am. I'm not someone that, you know, is, I'm not a very vulgar person when it comes to being posting on like my Instagram, but I do curse on the podcast. 
I'm not very flashy. I don't really post a lot of my, you know, personal things, whether they're good, bad, nice, or indifferent. I'm just not that type of a person. However, you know, having the podcast and, you know, I want to get out, I want to do more speaking. I want to engage more. I want to, you know, kind of build this content. You do have to have somewhat of a strategy because if you're just like throwing shit in the, you know, you're throwing darts in the wall at night, well, you're not going to get the results you want. And, you know, I want to have positive results and positive results for me is not really to have like hundreds of thousands of people listen to this, but if the people that do listen to this, whether it's a thousand or five or 10 or a hundred, you know, they're getting value and they're ultimately we create a dialogue. I think this will become really interesting when a couple things happen. One, I get some guests on, see, I can evolve and two, when there starts to be some engagement, because, you know, the thing is like, I, you know, you engage with your friends. I talk to my friends all the time. I talk to my coworkers. I talk to my family. It will be really interesting when I start to, a dialogue with somebody that I actually don't know. And this is the medium in which we've interacted. And this is how they get to meet me. So that's exciting for me. And it, it gives me a goal and a target. So yeah, I will have to develop a, a more consistent strategy for how I'm going to engage with people online. And, you know, I want to make sure that the same way I would do with, you know, if I was, when I'm working with a brand, you know, you make sure that everything you do rolls up to your overall goals and strategy. So, you know, if you're all about making, you know, running products, then everything you do should ladder up to being a runner or running or post run or pre run or run recovery. You know, if you're a running brand and you're doing things that have nothing to do with running, well, then you're sending a bad brand message to your consumer. And why would they trust you as an authority on running when they could probably go to someone else that is more consistent and can give them more of a honest dialogue on running. So little things like that. Uh, so, so it's fun. So I'll be doing that, you know, figuring what that looks like. And, you know, it's still forming and I'm really like excited that I'm giving myself the space to figure this out. And I'm not trying to have every answer on day one, because again, that would be bullshit. You know, this is kind of like the process. Like I'd say after I get to about 10 episodes, that will be the, you know, so-and-so, you know, the so-called maybe like the boot camp of content creation and podcasting. Like, okay, you've got 10 episodes out, you've edited we've talked, I've gotten feedback, I've developed some sort of a, a dialogue and a voice, some consistent content topics. And then from there, you know, then it's like, okay, then what's the next step? You know, does that become season two? Is that has become episode 11 through 19? Is it more guests? Is it less guests? Is it traveling? Is it phone interviews? Is it Skype? Do we have to bring in video? But you know, the pod is interesting because it's giving me an opportunity to kind of have a place to communicate, but then also to bring on people that I think are really interesting. You know, like I'm really interested in coffee. You know that I'm really interested in the Lakers. You know that I'm really interested in retail and branding, but I'm also really interested in cooking. And I'm also really interested in pots and pans and kitchenware and things that you may not know. So, you know, I may meet somebody that is really, a you know, really an expert in those fields and bring them on and actually learn you know, with them, you know, and I think that's kind of a cool thing. And whenever I listen to a podcast that I like, I'm listening to 
an expert talk and then somebody that is also a part of the learning process, which I think is really inclusive. It's really welcoming, right? If I'm a listener and the host is learning and I'm learning at the same time as the host, it's like a nice way to put everybody on an even playing field. Because sometimes, for me at least, if I'm listening to two like experts go back and forth about something that maybe I'm curious in, but they're not using language that I exactly understand, it's a little bit it's a little bit like an inside joke that sometimes you don't get, you know, because there's a lot of different nomenclature and vocabulary that have to do with certain things that if you don't understand the base language and the verbiage and the jargon, it's hard to keep up. So if we can keep that education process going, I think that's going to be really important piece to this as I start to you know, take the learnings that I'm learning from the podcast that I like and, you know, implement what works here and learn different strategies. And, you know, obviously we don't want to just copy anything outright, but if there's techniques that make sense, then it, you're, you adopt them. I mean, when I was in college, I took communication arts. That's what I majored in. That was what I got my bachelor's of science in at the University of Wisconsin, and wait a second, before I finish this, can fucking Wisconsin win one important game? I mean, Jesus Christ, the Badgers, you guys are, I mean, you're not garbage because A, you're, you know, you're college athletes and you work your fucking ass off. And, you know, I don't ever want to disrespect anybody that they put their life into anything. But since I've graduated, you can't win a big game. You lost three Rose Bowls in a row. And then you have a game against fucking Ohio State to go to the national championship and you lose. God damn it. Well, anyways, I got my uh, I got my degree there in Wisconsin and something that I learned in my communication arts was, you know, the concept of television and it still happens today was imitation, innovation, saturation, which was basically the formula for everything, meaning if something worked, someone else would come along and imitate it. They would do a little bit of innovation and then they would saturate it. A perfect example in our recent lifetime is the low budget Japanese inspired horror films. When the ring came out in America, that was a very new way of doing horror. Uh, you know, very dark. It was very jumpy. It was very scary. And it, it really was. That movie was frightening. But if you watch since the ring came out, I mean, I don't want to, you know, misquote a number, but I could at least think of 15 to 20 additional horror films that followed a very similar formula. So my point being is that, yeah, as I learn and observe things that are, you know, working and and what I enjoy listening to, I'm going to put some of that stuff in practice here. And I think it's going to prove for a better product, you know, to not use product research and market research. You're just shooting yourself in the foot all while developing what would be your own content strategy and your own voice. So tomorrow, I will be going to watch the great Black Mamba, a.k.a. Kobe Bean Bryant, have not just one jersey retired, 
but two jerseys retired by the Los Angeles Lakers. Give a round of applause to Kobe Bryant for just what an incredible career. 20 years with the Lakers, all one team. He gave everything he had to the city. It's just a pleasure to watch him. And when you see now that he's gone, I have a lot of friends that, you know, originally hated Kobe that have now finally come out of the closet, admitted that they used to love Kobe, but they just didn't want to like him because they weren't Lakers fans. So it's going to be a really special night tomorrow night. You know, it's a time for the Lakers to show appreciation to Kobe and the fans in Los Angeles, which he undoubtedly deserves. That's going to be exciting. And I love Kobe. I mean, this fucking guy, dude, like he just, how does this guy go and he switches numbers mid-career and he gets two jerseys retired? So he'll get eight, which was his, you know, younger years. You'd call it the the baby fro Kobe. That's when he was ferocious and he had the ups and the boosties and he was just dunking on people and just, he was just unstoppable at that point. Then he switched over to the 24 Kobe, which is when he got a little bit thicker. He was like a little bit more buff. I think he got a tattoo and he became pretty much like the black mamba where he's just like an evil competitor and not evil in a dirty way. But I mean, the guy would just do everything he had to do to win. And that was just like, it was so much fun to watch. So I went to the game where his last game of the year, a couple of years ago where he scored 61, definitely one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to. And I'll just kind of give you my take of it. So you, you get to the, Staples Center and everybody knows it's Kobe's last game it's a big deal like the entire NBA is there every celebrity is there it's the hottest show at that moment it was the hottest ticket in the world for a sporting event it was the it was the night coincidentally that same night the Golden State Warriors broke the single season win record and no one even really cared that's how big Kobe was and at that point the Lakers weren't even in contention for a playoff seat so there's all this festivities. Everybody is excited. And everyone's saying, you know, oh my God, it's Kobe's last game. This guy's really old. He's had a, he's banged up. He's been injury prone for the past couple seasons. It's just like you're watching this guy kind of hobble out. Game starts. He puts up one shot, miss. Puts up another shot, misses. Before you know it, Kobe's missed five shots. The entire stadium is silent. You could hear a pin drop. You could feel it. And people started to think, I know that I did. We thought, oh my God, we're going to watch this guy go like, oh, for like 30, you know, go two for 40 and have the worst game ever. And just be basically the worst ending to your career that you possibly could have. He finally hits a shot. Things start to settle in. You could see the crowd relax. You could see him relax. His teammates are doing a great job. They're basically just getting him the ball. He's shooting at will. He's shooting. He's shooting so many shots. He's doing his Kobe thing. Game goes by, and you kind of get into the second quarter, and you're like, damn, Kobe has 27 points. Like, wow, that's, that's a lot of points for the first half. And I think he ends the half with maybe 30 or 31. You're like, wow, damn, Kobe, you put up a lot for the first half. Second half starts, third quarter, he's hitting shots, he's looking like vintage Kobe, I mean, the young players around him are throwing screens, I mean, they're basically doing anything they can to get him open, and I don't give a shit what anybody says, 
the Utah Jazz was guarding him that night. And anybody says that they weren't, they're just fucking full of shit. Like, I was at the game. Kobe was on his ass the majority of the game because they were trying to block every shot. If, the, if it was up to the Utah Jazz, they would have put Kobe on his ass every play and had him not score anything if they, if they could have. But they couldn't. Nothing was stopping the Mamba that night. Going into the fourth quarter, the, the whole game, the Lakers are down around 10, right? So Kobe's scoring, but they're down. Kobe's got like 48 going into the fourth, and the whole crowd is just like, what the fuck? Like, you can hear this, like, electricity in the in the arena, right, in Staples Center. It's buzzing. Every time he hits a shot, I mean, literally, it's like the whole stadium is jumping up and down as if, like, it's to win a championship. So fourth quarter goes, and all of a sudden, it's like Kobe is literally hitting every shot down the floor. And then on the other end, they're getting stopped. So they're down by 11. Then they're down by nine. Kobe hits another shot. They're down by seven. He hits another shot. They're down by five. And boom, 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 boom. And all of a sudden you look up, there's like two minutes left in the game. This guy has got 50-something points. The Lakers are now within like three points of Utah. He goes on to not only lead the Lakers back for a victory. He ends up scoring 61 points in his last game, which is pretty much remarkable. You could not have written an ending. Like, even if, which this is not true, but even if the Utah Jazz is allowing him to score, just to score 61 points in an NBA game is difficult, especially when you're in your 20th year. So yeah, I mean, that's Kobe, right? Like that is the type of athlete and competitor that Kobe Bryant is on his last game where he had no reason scoring more than 30 points. He puts up 61 points in what was one of the best athletic performances that I've ever seen. And he takes his team from, you know, losing to a victory. So, you know, I grew up a Kobe fan. I'll be a Kobe fan for my life. Love what the guy does. He's just an incredible competitor. Yeah, so tomorrow we get to go to Sable Center and celebrate, which is really exciting. And I'm, you know, really thankful and grateful that I get to experience these things because they're special, you know, and not everybody can go. And, you know, tickets are, they're not cheap. It's going to be a spectacle. And I'm very blessed. And speaking of blessings, that will bring me into something that I started doing a few weeks ago, which has been really amazing. Everyone, I think you know that I meditate. I love meditating. I'm also looking into TM meditation or transcendental meditation, which I will be starting soon. I got to do the classes and everything. So I'm really excited about that. But what else I started, and I got this from Oprah. I'm reading Oprah's book, What I Know For Sure. She's really an incredible human being, really smart. I mean, yeah, if, if anybody's looking for inspiration or some tips on how to be your best and live your best life, definitely read this book. But Oprah talks a lot about journaling in her book. And I've always been curious with journaling and what it could do and what it could bring to me. So I decided to give it a chance. I downloaded an app. I think it's called Day One. And I just started going for it. And how I do it and and what it works for me as I wake up and in the morning during my morning routine, I open up the app, I go in and instead of actually typing it out, because I don't really like to type or physically write, what I like to do is talk, boom, as you could tell, maybe I might even put like a drum roll in there in the post edit of this. I probably won't, but that could have been a cool idea. So what I do is I open the app and I just hit like the microphone button and I just talk and it kind of takes my words and puts them into typing. So every morning I've been waking up and having this dialogue with myself and kind of talking about, 
you know, what happened yesterday, what I have on the plans for the day, if anything has been bothering me. And most important, I talk about what I'm grateful for. And sometimes it could be, I'm grateful for, you know, something as, you know, trivial as, you know, a, a, a thing, right? Like something like, oh, I'm really grateful for some inanimate object that I have, which, you know, things are important, but things are fleeting, right? They come and they go. And what I really try to focus on is being thankful for the things that you take for granted. You know, some things that, you know, how often do you remind yourself or take a moment to notice that you're thankful that you can breathe or that you're thankful that you have running water or you're thankful that you have hot water? You know, like, I'm really thankful I have hot water. And when you say it and you acknowledge it, it puts so much, so many other things in perspective because you realize how I realize how great I have it. And I don't ever, ever want to lose sight of what I'm blessed with and the things that I have in my life. I'm, I'm just so thankful for them and I'm so grateful. So having a gratitude practice is really, it's been really important for me. I would, I would suggest trying it. You know, I, I don't want to be preachy, but it's been helpful for me. Yeah. And start with things that, you know, don't cost money, you know, like I'm grateful for air, you know, I'm grateful that I could walk, you know, that's just the bottom line. Like I'm grateful that I can get up and walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night and take a piss. I am. I'm grateful that I can chew my own food. You know, I'm grateful that I have my arms and my legs and my fingers and my feet. Cause I know people that don't have that and they're, they're living and they're a part of the day-to-day -day life and they're living their best life they can. And I feel like, you know, you uh, happiness is going to be a function of what you expect. And having realistic expectations is important, but being grateful and being aware of what you have and the blessings that I have is so important for me. And it's something that I don't, I'm not going to allow myself to lose sight of. And it's really important. So I've been journaling and I've been doing it every morning and it's been really nice. It's uh, it's like therapy. You know, you're basically, I'm basically having a conversation with myself in my room and I'm just keeping notes on what I said in an app. So that's fun. And it's, it's been nice and it's been cathartic and it's allowed me to kind of talk through things instead of having to deal with them or actually let me let me kind of restate that it's it allows me to deal with issues and work out things that maybe I'm not exactly happy with either how they happened or how they went down but it allows me to move on and just give it closure you know you can talk about something and then you kind of you have to move past it I have to move past it I don't want to ruminate and think about you know what could have been I want to focus on what is and you know being present in the moment. So that's, uh, that's what I have for you today. I've been looking forward to recording this, you know, kind of updating everyone on what's going on, uh, you know, getting some Lakers talk in there. And I'm excited that I was able to, you know, just talk to you a little bit about the journaling. I think it's important. Um, we do live in a self-help uh, society where, you know, everything is a shortcut. There's always going to be this, 
10 things that you could do to make your life better. And you know, some of those things are really good and it's not really my place to judge anything that's outside of my own control. However, noting what you're grateful for is kind of tried and true to help you live your best life. And that's what we're here for. I'm here to live the best life I can and live in the moment and be grateful and thankful for everything that I have. And you know, the people around me, because the people around me is really where I find true happiness. I mean, last night we had a holiday party and it's like hanging out with friends and just chatting, whether it's talking about the most important topic of the moment or literally just bantering and just bullshitting that connection is so important. That connection is what drives me for everything that I do. And um, I'm looking forward to connecting more with you and keeping this dialogue going and bringing some more people on the pod, uh, really evolving what we're doing and just talking more and more and more and, you know, sharing little tricks and life hacks and things that make sense for me uh, that have helped me in the day to day. And I, you know, I'm really looking forward to kind of hearing from you on what's going on in your world and, you know, how we can share and we could build and we can continue moving forward. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. You know, there's a lot in this world that is not right and not good. And there's a lot of reasons that people are walking around angry. And there's a lot of things that are worthy of being angry about. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be, but at the same time, try to remind yourself and remember what is the good and what are the blessings and what you can be grateful about. I'm going to continue doing that and continue to keep note. So, you know, kind of getting out of here with the Christmas edition of the Kellen Rowland podcast. It's the fucking holidays. Enjoy. If you haven't gained at least five pounds this month, I'm not really fucking with you at all. Like I need you to be eating, chilling, eating and chilling Yes, you can work out, but the holidays, I think it's just all about, you know, pack on those holiday pounds. If you're in a relationship, you know, hashtag love pounds, you know, just get it, you know, live your best life. And, uh, you know, hey, call somebody that you haven't talked to and tell them how grateful you are that they're in your life and remake that connection. And hopefully someone calls you and does the same thing. So till next time, if I don't speak with you before, Have an incredible Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever. Enjoy your company holiday party. Don't get too drunk. And if you do get too drunk, make sure you do it with someone who's in high power at the company so at least they can shield for you when you show up the next day shit-canned or hungover. However, I do believe in keeping it 100% professional at work. However, sometimes you got to let your hair down. All right? So to all my holiday party people... Enjoy, drink that coffee, eat those donuts, and get that sushi. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Okay, I just listened to the podcast, and I just finished the edit, and I realized I had a fact incorrect, so I got to drop in with a quick retraction slash correction. In Kobe's last game... He did not score 61, he scored 60. Now that we're clear, 
Go about your business. Have a wonderful evening. If tomorrow has not happened yet, make sure that you watch the Lakers game versus Golden State where the Black Mamba, Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant, will get not one jersey retired, but two, number eight, number 24. Thank you for listening to another Kellen Rowland podcast. Until next time, thank you.